A classic underdog story. A man is thrown into prison, not for doing anything wrong except being the best household servant. And even in prison, he helps a fellow prisoner out and asks to be remembered so he could get out. It would not be for another two more years before he was released. In this episode, we will see Joseph rise to power in Egypt and be used by God in a profound way, and in the end, still get the girl. Welcome to the History of the Bible podcast. Episode 13, A Classic Underdog Story In this episode, we'll be covering chapter 41 in Genesis. After two full years, after telling the cupbearer to remember Joseph when Pharaoh took him out of prison, the Pharaoh had two dreams himself. In ancient Egypt, Pharaoh and king came to be interchangeable. Both refer to the ruler of the Egyptian people. However, the word pharaoh wouldn't be used to mean king until the 1400s BC, a couple of hundred years after Joseph had lived. In Joseph's time period, pharaoh would still have been referring to the palace in which the king lived. The reason for this is because it wasn't Joseph that wrote the book of Genesis. It was Moses that wrote it. And when Moses wrote the book of Genesis, it was common for the word pharaoh to be in reference of the ruler over the Egyptians. This brings up the question, when was Joseph in Egypt? Many scholars place Joseph between the years 2000 and 1600 BC. In Egypt's history, there would be two very important periods in this 400 years. The first period would be the Middle Kingdom, between the years 2055 and 1650 BC. The other one is the second intermediate period between 1650 and 1550 BC. The first period, Middle Kingdom, was thought to be one of the greatest times for Egypt. The country was not divided, as it had been before the period, but came together under Egypt's 12th dynasty and began to prosper. Without Babylon being in the picture yet, during this time period, Egypt would become the world's most powerful nation. Egypt was able to conquer Nubia, which at this time period was called Ethiopia and would rule over the Nile's delta, as well the north and south parts of the Nile Valley. At this time, trade with other foreign nations was one of the highest, and mines and quarries were bringing in more material than ever before. The 12th dynasty would end with rulers that were very weak in controlling their borders, as the central authority started to break down. With the weakening of the borders, this allowed for immigrants to come into the country. This infiltration of people was called Asiatics. They would slowly migrate over to the Nile's Delta. The Asiatics were a group of people that would come over from Canaan and its surrounding nations. The group of Asiatics would eventually take advantage of the weakened state of Egypt and insert one of their own into power, ruling the northern part of Egypt. This would bring about the second time period that some think that Joseph was part of, the Second Intermediate Period, or also known as the Hyksos Period, the 13th Dynasty thus ending the Middle Kingdom period. There will be more on the Hyksos period and what could have brought about the rising of power of the foreigners who were actually thought to be mostly the Amalekite people. The Egyptians would call the Asiatics Hyksos, which some thought to mean shepherd kings or captive shepherds. This is thought to be connected to the Israelites, as they were from the land of Canaan and were shepherds, as well as captives. In the later history of Egypt, around the 18th dynasty, the Egyptians would eventually invade the northern part of Egypt surrounding the delta area 
and drive the Hyksos all the way back to Canaan, ending their reign in the area. This invasion on the Hyksos is thought by some scholars to be the Exodus in the Bible. However, another translation of the word Hyksos has emerged, saying that the meaning comes from two Egyptian words that could mean ruler of foreign lands. Nothing to do with shepherds. Issues trying to place Joseph in the Hyksos period have come up. Nothing in the Bible or outside the Bible would show evidence of Joseph living during this time period. The main reason that is thought that Joseph was during this time period was because he wouldn't have been able to come to power in Egypt being a foreigner. Seeing that if he was alive during the Hyksos period, it would have been easier for him to come to power because the Pharaoh would have been a fellow countryman. But that's the only thing that would place Joseph in that time period. However, if looking at the Middle Kingdom period, much more evidence is seen for Joseph and his father's household. In 1 Kings 6 verse 1, it says that it has been 480 years since the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt when Solomon finished building the temple. It is pretty much accepted by all scholars that the temple was built in 966 BC. If this dating is correct, that would place the exodus around the year 1446 BC. If taken at face value, in Exodus 12 verse 40, it says that the Israelites were in Egypt for 430 years. We'll go into this time period of how long the Israelites were in Egypt in another episode. Based on the 430 years of being in Egypt, that would place Jacob coming into Egypt around 1876 BC. However, there is a thought that the Israelites were only in Egypt for 215 years. But even with that dating, it would still place Joseph in the Middle Kingdom between the years 2055 and 1650. But other evidence shows that Joseph lived during the Middle Kingdom period. For example, before Joseph goes to Pharaoh, he changes his clothes and shaves. In passing, this may seem like a small detail to overlook, but the Egyptians were very offended by facial hair. As a people, they were always clean-shaven. If Joseph was living during the Hyksos period, he would not have needed a shave because the Asiatic people were from the Canaan region, which were known for having beards. Even the Asiatic people ruled over themselves as so-called Egyptians, their pharaohs had beards and facial hair. Other evidence is that when Joseph was rewarded by Pharaoh, he is rewarded with the daughter of an Egyptian priest for an Egyptian god named Ra as a wife. If he was part of the Hyksos period, he would most likely have been given a wife of a priest that served a Canaanite god, rather than an Egyptian god. Now which ruler that Joseph served is a little bit harder to figure out. Although it's believed that Joseph served Sesostris, which one? That's a little bit harder to figure, considering that there are three of them, the first, second, or third. Most scholars believe it to be Sesostris the first. Although this is debated as well as many scholars also believe that Joseph was in power during the reign of Sesostris II and III. However, there is extra biblical evidence for Joseph to be during the reign of Sesostris I. The first is a vizier that Sesostris I is said to have. The vizier would be the one to help rule the nation. However, he would be below the rule of the pharaoh. The vizier was in charge of all of the country's agriculture. He is also the person to welcome foreign embassies into Egypt, which can be seen when Joseph sees his brothers for the first time since coming to Egypt. The vizier that Sesostris had was named Mintotep. Mintotep was said to have extraordinary powers. 
Joseph would come to be known as a person that was able to interpret dreams, which is usually held by magicians that spent their lives learning. Therefore, the power that Mentotep held, based on the Egyptians, could have been to interpret a dream that none of the Pharaoh's magicians could have. It also says that Mentotep was bowed down to, a thing that was only held for the Pharaoh. This aligns up with what the Bible says about Joseph in Genesis 41 verse 43 where he was placed in a chariot and the people were told to bow their knee to Joseph. The other evidence that shows that Joseph lived during the Sesostris I time period is one of a rock called the Hungry Rock. It says that Happy, who is the river god of the Nile, did not come up for seven years, which caused the land to dry out. However, this evidence came up after the fact many years later that was referring back to another time. Unlike most agriculture societies, the Egyptians didn't rely on the rainfall for watering the crops. They actually relied on the flooding of the Nile River to provide the water needed. At this time, the Egyptians would have created a channel that would divert the water that was flooding over the banks on the Nile. The channel would run for about 12 miles, emptying into a lake that would hold the water so that it could be used for irrigation after the flood. Therefore, when the Nile didn't flood for over seven years, the Egyptians had no water to use to water their crops. Another piece of evidence that Joseph lived during the reign of Sesostris I is in a tomb. The tomb belongs to one of the providential governors during Sesostris' rule. The tomb says that during his time as governor that no one was unhappy, not even during the years of famine. However, it is still up for debate for who Joseph served. It all depends on how long the Israelites lived in Egypt. With that, let's take a look at the dream that Pharaoh had that caused his spirit to be uneasy inside of him. The dream that Pharaoh had was that he was standing by the river, most likely it would have been the Nile River, and seven good-looking cows came up out of the river and fed in the grass. While they were grazing in the grass, another seven ugly cows that were extremely skinny came up out of the river and ate the first seven cows. After the Pharaoh would wake up and fall back asleep, he would have another dream. This dream would be about a stock of grain that came up out of the ground with seven heads of grain. Some translations say that it was seven heads of corn, but that's actually referring to the heads of grain as they were sometimes called heads of corn. After the healthy heads of grain came up, another seven heads of grain sprouted up that were thin and affected by the east wind and ate the seven good heads of wheat. This east wind was extremely detrimental to the Egyptian crops. Usually the winds in Egypt are from the north or south, but the east wind could be referring to the southeastern wind that comes up from the Arabian desert. When Pharaoh woke up, his spirit was bothered inside of him, so he called for all of the magicians and wise men to come interpret the dream for Pharaoh. However, there was none that could give the meaning. This is where the cupbearer remembers Joseph from two years earlier, informing the Pharaoh of his personal testimony. The cupbearer tells the Pharaoh that Joseph might be able to help him. Therefore, the Pharaoh calls for Joseph to be brought out of prison. After shaving and changing his clothes, Joseph came before the Pharaoh. Again, the Egyptians took offense to people that had beards, as they were seen as being dirty to them. Pharaoh then asked Joseph if he would be able to interpret the dream. However, Joseph says that he isn't able to do so, but that it's God that interprets dreams and will give Pharaoh his answer. With this, the Pharaoh begins to tell Joseph of his dreams. After hearing the dreams, Joseph begins to interpret them, saying that the dreams are different but both have the same meaning. 
The seven good cows and the seven good heads of wheat are representations of seven good years, or seven years of plenty. The seven ugly cows and seven thin heads of wheat are representations of seven years of famine. Joseph tells Pharaoh that seven years of plenty will be coming in for the land and its crops, but after that, the seven years of famine will follow them, and so bad the seven years of famine that the years of plenty will be completely forgotten about. The reason that Pharaoh had the dreams as a pair is because it was from God, and it was happening very soon. After giving him the interpretation of the dreams, Joseph offers some advice to the Pharaoh. Joseph tells the Pharaoh that he should find a wise and understanding man and place him over the land of Egypt, and to place overseers in the land to take one-fifth of the produce of the land. It is thought that the Egyptians were already bringing in one-tenth, or a tithe of their produce, to give to the Pharaoh. For the seven years of plenty, Joseph told the Pharaoh that he should collect one-fifth of the produce and store it in the city so that when the famine comes, there will be food for the land of Egypt. Otherwise, the famine will wipe out the nation of Egypt. The next thing that Pharaoh does is pretty incredible. He acknowledges that the true God has shown Joseph these things. This would be a huge thing because the Egyptians worshipped many gods, but even the Pharaoh himself was considered by his people to be a god. With that, the Pharaoh also recognized that the wisdom that Joseph held was from God as well. So the Pharaoh and all of his officials say that it was wise to place Joseph in power over all of the land of Egypt and over all Pharaoh's palace. And with that, Joseph is made greater than everyone in the country, except the Pharaoh himself would be over Joseph, but no one else. After being commissioned by the Pharaoh to rule the nation, Joseph is given multiple things. The first is a ring of Pharaoh, and then a gold chain, new robes, a chariot, a new name, and a new wife as well. The ring that Pharaoh gave Joseph was his signet ring. Whenever a document was signed or stamped by this ring, it was considered to be law. The ring was a sign of authority that could be used to give official laws and orders. The new robes were also a sign of authority. The robe was made up of linen that was usually only worn by the ruling class, such as the king and the priest. The name that was given to Joseph was Zathnapaneah. The translation of the name itself is not fully understood. Some think that it means food of life, or food of the living, while others believe it to mean savior of the world, or savior of the living. Between the translations, it has come to terms that his name could just mean he who feeds the world, or the living. Other scholars say that the meaning of the name could mean something totally different. Rather than meaning he who feeds the living, some say it to mean revealer of the secret things, because of the interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams. The chariot that was given to him was to show that Joseph was now a high-ranking official, or governor. In Joseph's time, the chariots were not yet used for battle or war. Most likely, during this time, they were used for high-ranking officials. The gold chain that was given to Joseph is interesting. When Pharaoh gave the gold chain to Joseph, it wasn't to show that he was now part of the ruling class, but in reality, it was more likely a reward for his service in interpreting the dreams. In Egypt, there are 32 known paintings and tombs that are showing the receiving of the gold chain was a reward because of some type of service rendered. Joseph was also given a marriage to Azina, who is the daughter of a priest. Other than her name and the name of her father, not much else is known about her. Her father's name was Potiphera, which is closely related to Potiphar, Joseph's old master. 
As mentioned in the last episode, Potiphar was most likely a title given to the man. In the same way that Potiphar could mean concentrated to Ra, Potiphar could mean the same as well. Therefore, it could be the title of the priest. The father of a zenith was a priest, which would raise the class of Joseph because he was now married to a higher class, as it was thought that the priests were at the top of the Egyptian society. Her father was the priest in the city of On, which was a center point of worship for the sun god of Ra. It says in Genesis 45 verse 8 that Joseph was placed in charge of all of Pharaoh's house, father to Pharaoh, and placed in charge of all the land of Egypt. All of these are titles. Joseph was a vizier, which is a ruler of the land of Egypt. The other two titles, Lord of the Pharaoh's house and Father of the Pharaoh, are totally different offices than that of the vizier. The Lord of the Pharaoh's house was called the chief steward. Just like Pharaoh had a chief baker and a chief cupbearer, this position was in charge of the Pharaoh's agricultural estate. This is the same position that he would have held while serving Potiphar in his household. What is interesting is that during ancient Egypt's history, the vizier and chief steward were two separate positions. It wasn't until the rule of Sesostris II that these two positions are being held by one person, rather than two. Joseph could have been the first person to hold both positions, setting a new normal in Egyptian history. The other title that Joseph held was father of the pharaoh. This does not mean that he was actually the father of the pharaoh because he wouldn't have even met the pharaoh until after he was taken out of prison. The actual translation could mean father of the god, as the pharaoh was considered by the Egyptians to be a god. This term would sometimes be used to refer to the tutor of the soon-to-be king. Again, Joseph didn't know the pharaoh when he was a child. Another thing that the title could be referring to is that when a man's daughter would marry the reigning king, he would be given this title. Today, this would be equivalent to saying father-in-law. A person that held the position of a minor priest was sometimes also given this title. However, the most likely way that Joseph received the title was because of the service that he gave Pharaoh. It was given to officials who served the Pharaoh well for long periods of time or who had done a special favor for the Pharaoh. This would fit with what Joseph had done to have the title father of the Pharaoh. Joseph was 30 years old when he was promoted to power in Egypt. Once promoted, Joseph would begin right away to prepare for the famine by gathering up all the food in Egypt. He made a plan to keep all the food from the surrounding fields and granaries in local cities. Therefore, all the cities held the food from the fields surrounding it. And although Joseph tried to keep count of the grain coming in, it says in Genesis 41 verse 49 that the grain that was stored up could not be measured and that it was like the sand of the sea. Also, while storing up grain for the nation, before the famine came, Joseph would become the father of two sons. The firstborn would be named Manasseh, and the second would be named Ephraim. The name of Manasseh means making forgetful, because he said that God made him forget all of his hardships in his father's house. It wasn't that Joseph forgot about his family, but that God had brought him into a new fruitful life in Egypt. The second son, named Ephraim, means double fruitful, or fruitfulness, because he said that God had made him fruitful in the land of his affliction. Because of the ascension to power, Joseph was not only able to save the nation of Egypt, but also the nation of Israel. With the famine being so severe all the way up in the land of Canaan, Joseph would once again see his brothers. So join us next time as Joseph's dreams would come true when he recognizes his brothers bound before him, 
wanting to purchase food to save their family's lives from the brother they once hated. In episode 14, Perfectly Reunited-ish. Thanks for listening to the History of the Bible podcast. Go ahead and rate, review it, and be sure to follow and subscribe to the show. For ways to give feedback or to let us know how this podcast has impacted you, check out the links in the show notes. Also, be sure to tell your friends and family. Thanks. Until next time, remember you are loved, special, and worthwhile.